0: To UWA Alumni's Pursue Inclusion podcast series. Thanks for downloading this episode. UWA is committed to an inclusive society where every life is respected as unique and valuable. Visit our website at pursueinclusion.uwa.edu.au to see how you can join with others in the UWA community to create positive change. Welcome to the Pursue.
1: Inclusion UWA podcast series. This is your host, Dr. James Kelly. I'm the host of Executives After Hours podcast, as well as the forthcoming book, The Crucible's Gift, five lessons from authentic leaders who thrive in adversity. Today on this episode, I have the pleasure to speak with Mr. David Sherwood. David is the CEO of Bibliotech. Hello, David. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks, James. How are you doing?
1: I am doing fantastic. I know I've caught you in the midst of a travel day, um, going to and fro. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, I'm actually um, in Sheffield. I'm normally based in London, but yeah, you caught me in the middle of traveling.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for making time. Um, just to quickly give an overview to the audience, can you just tell us quickly like, what your company is about?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of background, I studied uh, chemistry at UWA uh, as a student of advanced science. I came as a Rose Scholar to the UK and uh, I'm now working on a bibliotech. So I'm, as you said, the CEO and co-founder of Bibliotech and we're the Spotify for Text. And so for those of you that aren't familiar with Spotify, it's a, a music service where you pay per month and you get sort of unlimited access to the music you want. We're, we're doing the same thing with textbooks, electronic textbooks. So you pay per month and you get access to core reading and supplementary reading. And let's take uh, chemistry, for example, in the UK, the plan is eight pounds a month, then in Australia, they're the equivalent in Australian dollars, and you get access to all those books.
1: That's awesome. And so where did this idea come from, set of curiosity?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. So uh, whilst I was at UWA, I mean, I originally wanted to be a research scientist in chemistry, but... As it turned out, I was pretty, pretty horrific in the lab. A good theoretical <laughs> student, but, uh, but no good with the test tubes and the measuring and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, I appreciate so, the honesty. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I did well. I got good marks. there just was no good in the lab. And so I set up this charity, Teach, and Grow, which is still there at UWA. Something like 500 indigenous students get free maths tutoring. You know, tons of UW uh, university students give the tutoring, like they volunteer. And that process of setting up something really got me into, you know, wanting to be in management, like designing a product or a program, that sort of thing. So I leave UW and I didn't want to do chemistry anymore. So I roll in PPE at Oxford, politics, philosophy, economics. I set up bibliotech, partly because I had to leave TLG behind. I mean, I'm still the chair, but I can't, can't really do anything operationally. So I wanted a new project to work on. And I decided to do a company this time, not a charity, uh, partly because <laughs> it's so, so hard in the charity world to, you know, raise much sponsorship and have as bigger impact. I, I mm-hmm. think the sad reality is the amount of money given to charities this year is about 1% of GDP, 2% of GDP, and it's fa- fairly fixed. Where well, yeah. I wanted to be able to raise a lot more in, in the case of company investment and try to have a much, much bigger impact. And yeah, uh, education's always been an interest of mine. And we picked, we decided on um, bibliotech. I was on the train, Trans-Siberian from uh, Perth to Oxford. So you fly to Beijing, meet the other Rhodes Scholars there but I hadn't met before. And then you're stuck with them on this train for like two weeks. Like, kind of like cap, full cabin fever stuff going on. Yeah. But uh, on the train, plenty of time to reflect. I'm trying to think of a project or a business idea. Mm-hmm. And the obvious thing was like I'm on my phone and my emails were very different to five years ago. My music was very different. Video, like everything was different except the book. And I, I read quite a lot on my um, phone and tablet. And it's the same thing. Like you buy a book, you turn a page. There's no sort of innovation, really, and so I was like, there has to be something that can be done here in terms of making the software better, and I looked into it, and um, textbooks was the obvious place to start because I was still a student. I kind of knew the market fairly well from the user side, and yeah, just dived in.
1: So, not, and I don't mean to cut you off. Again, I know I only have you like 10 yeah. more minutes, so I've got six questions yeah, in 10 yeah, minutes, sure. so so we will get yeah. through this as, as, as parsimonious as possible, if you will. So uh, I'm going to dive into question one. As you know, yep. I mean, you read all the time. You say you read on your Kindle all the time, or on your iPad or phone or whatever. And, you, and I'm sure you have news alerts. And I'm sure many of these news okay, alerts, yeah. well, many of these news alerts are full of stressful situations that are be, that are occurring around the world, and they're usually negative. So that always kind of leads the question of: Do you believe people actually want inclusion in this world?
0: Yeah, it's a very good question, and I, I think. Yeah, uh, it's easy to sort of read into the negative, like constantly being fed negative news. But I think the reality is that crime rates are falling overall and sort of in general bad events are falling. You know, the the average income has been over the last 50 years, so not so good in the last 10. I think I think people generally do do want inclusion. But, uh, yeah, I, I certainly take your point. I think the news cycle uh, is, doesn't is help with challenging that. <laughs> for the average person. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> so then why do you think we need inclusion uh,
0: again? Great, great question. I think inclusion is essential for us to move forward as a group. Like we can't be a bunch of individuals acting on our own. We work much better as a group, whether that's helping those who are less well-off or even the opposite, just advancing the society as a whole. It seems that we work much better as a group, whether that's like the UK working with Australia or Perth working with Sydney or UWA working with Curtin. I think these are all like valuable things.
1: So... I guess based on that then, you know, why why for yourself is inclusion important to you? Like just personally, like why is it important yeah. to you?
0: Oh, that's a good question again. Me personally, I've I've always had very close relationships with my family and friends. So on a very personal level, I think you naturally want to involve other people, have them involve you and work together. And I can't really say exactly why. It just seems quite an inherent thing in me, and I think most people share it. Like I've always felt I kind of want to help other people, and it's it's hard because we all have, you know, we all have to make money at the end of the day to to get by, and we have our immediate friends and family to look after. But if you can even sort of just do a little bit to include somebody else, even if it's your neighbour, I think it's important.
1: And so when you think of inclusion, do you think of inclusion yeah. as like? your neighbors or different races, different ethnic backgrounds? or Do you you think of inclusion as the whole package of every aspect of it?
0: I like to see the whole package of every aspect, definitely. And I think, I mean, you touched on a really good point that race and gender and all of these things are very um, hot topics right now, given the current political climate. I think we have to do a lot of work to make the world more inclusive, particularly if we're coming from fairly privileged backgrounds sort of thing. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's obviously easier to include your neighbors or people that you know. And yeah, sure. that's, I think, important as well. But what we tried to do a lot of at Teach and Grow was get what are typically sort of wealthy city kids. I'm from the country myself, not, not from a disadvantaged background, but from, from the country. And we'd try and get wealthy city kids from private schools, send them out to indigenous communities or rural communities. And it was sort of mind-blowing to them how different mm. you know the experience was there and i think those sort of links which i think you're touching on here are crucial and they don't often come organically mm-hmm. like these city kids would not their own no. account go they'll stay Fray in Springs, their pod you know right like they'll exactly. stay in their pods yeah, yeah, that makes yeah.
1: That, and that's a huge issue in general at the end of the day for inclusion is that it's easier for us to, it's easier for us to stay in the groups that we know not the groups that we don't know, it's more comfortable, it's 100%. less it's less in your face, it's less scary, if you will, so I can see that so then so I guess then I said, you know in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, how do you actually foster inclusion in the work that you do, and if you in doing this, is there an example that you have
0: yeah I mean the, the beauty of software, so I mean I'm going to touch on Ti and go on bibliotech quickly. The beauty of software, which is what we build at bibliotech, is that the internet is making it easy for anybody to reach anybody um, any time of the day. And so we can service any country. And and what we specifically do to try and sort of make things more inclusive, given some countries are wealthier than others, is have different pricing tiers so that certain countries have more affordable access, given that, you know, the average kid there doesn't have the same disposable income. So there's a good example there. And I think software and the internet have really helped the world. Other side, I think it's, it's crucial that people be involved in or try and actively involve themselves in experiences and I think you're touching on this that take them out of their comfort zone and this is sort of what the whole point of TLG is, to sort of take a kid from the city, show them what life's like in Three Springs and then suddenly they're like well actually it's not just about how hard you work, a lot of it has to do with where you grew up and the context of your mm-hmm. culture and community, you
1: know. So, so, so again, I understand I'm catching you in the middle of like mass transit and moving. So, many. <laughs> so I'm going to jump to the last question. I think these are really great answers, and I appreciate um, your parsimony uh, throughout this. So, question six is kind of a kind of a big question, and and so I look forward to your answer on this. You know, often in life, it's really easy for us to, to understand diversity. There's them, there's us. We work maybe a multicultural environment. So we, we get diversity, but what we don't get and what we tend to struggle with is taking that next step and not only accept the differences, but engage in a constructive conversation that helps us be, to understand and increase inclusion. And so how do we do that? Like, How do we take that next step to, to embrace and in, create moments of inclusion?
0: That's a great question. I mean, it, it's, it is really hard, I think, again, like that average person has a lot to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um I guess the easiest point to start like I was saying is like reach out to someone you know. So start locally, but also try to reach out to an organization that can help you reach further into a group that you've not, you know, included before or, or had an inclusive experience with. Yeah.
1: Well and I, and I think to your point just really quickly is that you know, it's easy again to reach out to people that look like you. It's yeah. harder to reach out to people who look different than you. Yeah. And and, and if you really want to increase, and you're, I think you're number ten for these interviews for me, by the way. And I, I'm coming yes. to the I'm coming to the conclusion that like it it almost becomes a policy issue. Yeah. And you almost have to force people to put themselves in uncomfortable situations. And I don't know what that policy would look like. I don't know how easy it would be to implement. But I feel like there needs to be a structure that's set up to allow people to to start being in situations where they have to actually care about and have empathy towards someone yeah. different than themselves at the end of the day.
0: You raise a good question how to do that. I mean, I think exchange is a great way to do that. UWA have a great program. But you, you, I think you're right. There needs to be more central policy and how you mix different groups, whether that's like schools, exchanges or whatever. It, really, everybody, you know, should have the opportunity to to do one of these, sort of become more involved in these experiences, as you're saying.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, listen, David, I know you got to run. So, David Sherwood, thank you for your time, energy, and willingness to be part of the Pursue Inclusion UWA Podcast Initiative.
0: Thanks, James. Really appreciate it, and it's a great initiative, I must say. So, fully support it. We hope you enjoyed listening to UWA alumni's Pursue Inclusion episode. Make the commitment to leave no one behind by taking part in our movement towards an inclusive society. Stand up for inclusion on November 4th. Details on the website pursuinclusion.uwa.edu.au